do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. <laughs> well, it's Wake Up With Casey. I'm Kimberly. And, you know, I've, I've had a, a guest in the past that talked about clutter and, you know, how it affects us internally. And that's just a representation and a symbolic kind of maybe meaning that, there's stuff going on inside if you see it on the outside. And, you know, this individual has been through, you know, many forms of abuse. And she decided and chose to transform her life. And she's doing amazing things. And she joins us today to share her story and how she's helping others transform their lives as well. Please welcome Crystal home. Hello, Krista. How are you doing today? Hi, Kimberly. I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Me too, because, <laughs> you know, you have a fascinating story. You know, you you grew up in childhood with the, you know, physical, mental, emotional abuse as well. And, you know, it, you were told things and, and it created a mindset and limited beliefs and programmings as well. And, you know, you had some traumatic experiences. Can you please share with us a little bit about, you know, your life experiences and then we'll get into that transformation? Um, sure. I, where should I start? <laughs> um, I, my, my parents got divorced when I was about eight and, um, and my mom started dating a pedophile, quite honestly. And I told her and I, I even gave her an ultimatum, <laughs> like it was him or me. Um, and she married him. And uh, there was a whole lot of stuff that happened. <laughs> there was, you know, but she covered it up for, for my whole life. She's, she's covered it up. She's, she, you know, convinced everybody that I was lying that, you know, there was no truth to what I had to say. She silenced my voice. She hid all the evidence. Um, we went through a custody battle with my, you know, my dad and, and my mom, they went through a big custody battle over this and, um, and my dad lost my mom, my mom lied and, and won. <laughs> and, uh, when I was 11, I even wrote a book about it. Um, and she found it and, and destroyed the evidence of, of that as well. And, um, and then tried to blame it on my father, actually, like she could use this as a, as a way to, to shame me for expressing myself and my story. And um, it led to me being silent for, for really most of my life. Um, for hiding, for pretending that everything was okay. Cause that's all I was ever taught. That's all I was, you know, nobody would believe me when I told. Um, and, and it would always be covered up and hidden. And, and so I grew up with a lot of feeling like I had to prove myself all the time. Um, never feeling like I was 
wanted or or acceptable or um, just that I was always less than everybody else around me, even though I, I pretended really well of putting a facade on that that made it look like life was way better than what it was. Um, and <laughs> I ended up going on a, on a very long healing journey for myself that faced all of that. Um, and it took about a decade, honestly, of work. I, 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 I sort of went my own route of, of personal development and, and really finding I had some during the, the course of my childhood, when we were in that custody battle, they actually took me to a psychologist and told them that the problem was me being a liar. And so everything I said to him about what was happening, he even replied back, like, stop lying, stop making stuff up. You need to face, you know, like he, he actually compared me to a wild horse that had been caught and corralled and was wanting their freedom and how I needed to settle into the saddle and accept my my life as it is and and I would be happier. So needless to say, as an adult, traditional therapy didn't seem like a safe route to go for me. Um, when I was miserably unhappy with my life and not really sure how to turn it around. <laughs> and um, I'd always had a lot of mentorship. Luckily, my father married a, a very wonderful woman at the same time. So I, I did have something to cling to, you know, for a little bit of time every year. And I learned a great deal from her. And one of the things that I really learned was look for people to teach you other things, like look for mentorship, right? Because I swore I would never be like my own mother. Um, and so I really just started on this healing journey for about a decade of diving into my trauma and all of the limiting beliefs that I'd grown up with about not being good enough or not being believed or not having to prove myself. And along with all of the other stuff that we all always pick up, you know, the scarcity mentality of not having enough money or there's not enough for you. You're, you know, you're a burden, you're an obligation, you know, just sort of all of those things that just became a, a, a I quit faking it till I make it. And I, faked it till I made it. Like that's sort of become the my mantra of I can't keep faking it because it caused an autoimmune disorder. And it led to, you know, one thing after another until I was on 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 bed rest at home, unable to walk and unable to work and really unable to do much of anything but sit. Wow. I, that I'm just blown away that, you, you know, you go, you know, in a lot of young, you know, children, when they're experiencing, you know, a physical abuse from a partner or another parent or, you know, any kind of form of abuse, when they go to someone that you're supposed to trust, this is a parent, that's emotional trauma in itself when you go to them. And then, you know, they don't believe you. And then they try to make you think that you're the one crazy and lying and not being when in all, in all honesty, most of them, majority of them do. They are speaking the truth. 
And mm -hmm. wow. And then when you go to a psychologist and they say that, that just like mm -hmm. blows me away. Like, how can you even, you're supposed to report this stuff. <laughs> oh, my mom's a mandatory reporter too. <laughs> She's a uh, nurse. She was a career nurse. She's a mandatory reporter. Just because they're mandatory reporters does not mean that they report what's going on in behind the closed doors of their own house. You know, it's. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't just me. I have siblings and you know, it was, it's a thing it's, but, but what I've learned over years of my life, I, I almost, when I, when I, I didn't go to college right away, you know, I, I didn't really think I was good enough. I, I went to school. I, I became a hairdresser and I did that for a while. And, and then I worked as, you know, sort of admin stuff. And I had kids as when I was very young. Um, and so it wasn't until I was almost 30 that I went back to college. Um, and it was a debate for me. I, I almost, it was a decision between um, forensic psychology and working with psychopaths and serial killers. Um, or interior design. <laughs> so, okay. so that's right. A <laughs> it's a kind of a big gap, but you know, it was surprisingly not unrelated. The, the way we interact with our space is it tells the story of what's going on internally. And so it's, it's not a big surprise for me as a child, my favorite toy was like my Barbie dream house, right? That was an escape for me. Being able to decorate my room was actually one of the privileges that I did have. Um, and I was really good at creating a space, a safe space for me to escape to um, and feel like I could survive. Um, it was something I was really good at. And so naturally it was like a gift that all my friends came to, like all through high school, you know, come help me with this, come help me with this. But I always had this fascination of studying things that interested me and studying people that abuse children was interesting to me, right? It's something that I've always, how do you get there? How do you get there in your brain where you're okay with that? Where's your moral compass? You know, that was just always a thing that I studied, but um, interior design won out. <laughs> and, um, but then in my psychology class, um, you know, we had to take gen eds at my college, just like everybody else's. Um, we had to pick our topic and it was an art school. I went to the Art Institute of Colorado. And so there was a number of other um, classes, courses, degrees, that's the word. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. You know, graphic designers and industrial designers and culinary and, you know, but so, and we would all be in the same gen eds together. And so what the teacher did was they made us write a psychology paper related to our field <laughs> and we could each only, only one topic, right? So the easy paper, the psychology of color, the first person in the interior design got that one. Right. And so it was like up to me to pick a different topic. And I thought, I had learned energy work when I was nine for my stepmom. And so energy work had always interested me. The topic of feng shui had been popular in Western culture for about five or six years at that time. And so I'd heard of it, 
but I didn't know a lot about it. And I hadn't invested a lot of time and energy into researching it because I'd been in school, you know, and that was my priority. And so this to me was sort of like a, it was almost like a break to do something fun outside of my study. So I, I went and checked out every book they had at the library on feng shui. It was like a two foot stack of books that I took home and I read all of them because I'm definitely a type A personality, <laughs> which most abused kids are. It's just a thing. You know, we grow up with this perfectionism, like somehow if we get it right, we won't get beaten. It's mm -hmm. sort of, you know, so I had that and, and I was determined that I was going to get an A in this 11 weeks that I had to write my paper. And honestly, at the end of the thing, I was more confused than I, than I was at the beginning. But I had an idea of what it was, right? I, I thought I understood it to a degree. And so fast forward a couple of years and I graduated from college and I was in my career um, as an interior designer. And um, I had worked um, in a couple different fields and I had moved to Hawaii and I was working in high-end residential design, which is sort of, for, for most interior designers, that's that's the dream job, right? Is high-end residential design. And <laughs> I was in Hawaii and so we had a lot of international clients. And I, right, it was shortly after I started and they had submitted this design to um, to some clients in China and the clients sent the design back saying the feng shui was all wrong. <laughs> and so my boss was like, um, does anybody like, we had a frantic moment of help. Does anybody know anything about feng shui? And I was like, well, me, <laughs> like I will, I'll prove myself. I will, I will step up to the plate and take on this challenge. I know feng shui. And so she handed it to me and was like, fix this. <laughs> And let me tell you, if you've ever faced imposter syndrome in your life, there was my moment of, oh, shit, what have I done? <laughs> like, you know, because now I've got this multi-million dollar project that my boss has handed to me. And, I, you know, I'm just like, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, I was completely out of my element. And I did it. And I still felt like I don't know enough. So I found another school and I went to, I went to to a college for for feng shui to study traditional Chinese feng shui, and started working with clients um, on the side, like my own clients of just let me just do feng shui. And I was still on my healing journey, and I was in a I was in a group mastermind program for about a year with I think there was thirty six women in this course with me, and so I offered them to feng shui their place for free. Um, just to get the practice, right? I just needed guinea pigs to help me. And 24 of them said yes. And so um, I started off with it and every one of them had the same problem. They all got stuck in clutter. Um, and so I really started diving into clutter and studying it. Feng Shui doesn't, it, it teaches that it's important, but it didn't really teach why and what. So I, I started studying clutter and found the psychology of it because clutter is reflects all of the mental emotional limiting beliefs that are going on in our head wow and now from my understanding about feng shui mm -hmm. it's how you set up where the bed is where your mirror goes and it's to my understanding is how you 
create this energetic flow of positivity throughout every area of your, you know, your living room, your bedroom, your kitchen, your dining room, all of that. Is there truth to that? Uh, that is like feng shui in action. Yes. Yes. That is what feng shui, that's what you do with it. Feng shui is really about studying the flow of energy in your space. And you, you have an energetic frequency, right? We all have an energetic frequency, mm -hmm. but so does our environment, right? The earth has an energetic frequency. Yep. Your home also has an energetic frequency and you can be in alignment with it or not. You can be out of alignment with it. When you're out of alignment with it, you'll be clashing, right? They want you to start breaking, you know, the plumbing starts leaking. Right. That's, that's part of it. That's going to be negative energy flow. That's going to be leaking places. So you definitely want to look at those things, but it's really about mastering that flow and getting into alignment with it. Because when everything is falling apart, it's not, it doesn't, it's not just your house that's falling apart. Like have you ever, you ever, do you notice that, right? When your house starts falling apart, it's like the whole world starts falling apart, right? That's when you break up, you get divorced, you lose your job, your car breaks down. Like it seems like everything, you know, when it rolls, when everything falls apart, it all falls apart. And it's because it's a reflection. It's not, it's not because of these things are happening. It's these things are telling you you need something, you have to look at something inside because your home is literally a reflection of what's going on. It's an extension of your energetic frequency. So we either live in our space instinctively, which is what most of us do. We put things in certain places because it's what feels right. The problem with that is it feels right for what's wrong. Oh, interesting. When we get right internally, we instinctively will move things in our home, right? To get them into alignment. But we might not always find the, the right flow of energy so that it's in alignment with the house because the house might flow like this and we might flow like that. And now you've got your energies wonky. So what you just, you just want to get everything in alignment. So that's why they say you intentionally want to place your bed like in your power position. It doesn't always work out because sometimes like, you know, you got things in the way, you know, it might be that your closet is where your bed is supposed to go. So then you got to make adjustments to stuff like that. But it, that's all the technical side of it. it and, and studying it and knowing like cause and effect, right? But it's also understanding what's going on internally and why are you doing what you're doing right now? Because your whole home is telling you the story of whatever that message is that's in, in the clutter and in in the misalignment, if that makes sense, right? When you're when you're out of flow, when you're out of alignment, your energy won't flow properly, and it'll show up. It'll show up like that in your business, right? Like you won't make as much money as you want, or it won't be as easy to get clients as you want, or you know your launch won't go like you want um, because it's it's going on internally, but it's reflected in your space. Wow, because energy turns into matter, and you mentioned something about getting ill and whatnot. Yeah, and majority of us live and operate under the emotional energetic traumas that's been passed down for generations for eons, but then we create our own 
you know, with the limited beliefs of programming. And then we're li- we're taught to, to live in stress. Mm-hmm. And this has yeah. been going on for centuries. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, you try and it affects your love uh, life, your finances, your career, you know, and spiritually it affects you mentally, emotionally it affects you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you recognize, you know, besides things falling apart, the appliances breaking down <laughs> before it could get to that point, you know, what's the first step that you can take with your space? Well, within yourself, you know, what questions did, like, did you ask yourself when you were going through the, the process and then how feng shui and clutter came into, you know, those little synchronicities that you started recognizing, like, how did the beginning start for you? What questions did you ask? When, well, when I started, I always, I, like I said before, I always decorated, right? I always decorated my house. I was always good about making my re- my house reflect the image that I wanted the world to see. And so all of my clutter was always tucked up in the closet, nice and neat and hidden away from sight. It was always in the bedroom. It was in the private parts. Um, when I started working with clients and I started and I started hearing their clutter stories and I started really putting it together, I still wasn't really applying it to me. I was still like trying to fix out here, right? And still like in the learning phase. When I actually got hurt at my job, I was still working and trying to grow this business part-time and figure out how to be a business owner. Like I knew how to do the, you know, all of my stuff, but how do I actually run a business thing? Well, I'm figuring that out. Um, I I, I started really applying it to myself and doing the decluttering and and really applying what I knew because it I was getting stuck, right? I wasn't really it wasn't really going anywhere. I was trying to do too many things and I wasn't applying it to myself. And I was completely stuck. And then my coach hired me to do her office. And I was totally reminded of what I had learned when I was working in high-end residential. Most of our clients there were entrepreneurial and they did things different in the background. Um, Things that we as average people don't know because you don't know how they live behind the scenes. And she reminded me about the self-care aspect of things. And so I actually started creating self-care spaces for myself with using feng shui to get them into alignment to heal my body. And as I started getting unstuck in my body and I, st- I started really getting unstuck in my thoughts, then I started diving into the clutter piece and really started like a- applying what I had learned to my own life to create something different, right? I was at, the, I was at rock bottom right? I'd had a work comp injury. So I was fighting with the insurance people and all the way back down to the bottom of the worthiness barrel, right? If you're ever in a battle with like the, the big dogs against, you know, little tiny you, and you feel totally worthless, 
right? They're, they were telling me all the time, like, I couldn't go to this doctor. I couldn't go to that doctor. And there was nothing wrong with me. And, and then they'd get, you know, independent medical examiners to, to corroborate that and say that there was nothing wrong with me. And um, it all just sort of blew up okay? because I didn't feel like I could decorate my own space. So I'd given up that part, right? And I was at this part of, it's not that important. I'll do it later after I've made it, right? Because that's when most people hire an interior designer. After I've made it, after I've got the money, then I'll invest in decorating my space. And I had literally forgotten everything I knew about if you don't decorate the space first, like if you don't do all the stuff, you're, you got a Band-Aid on a broken bone and it's never going to heal properly. So it was just this massive shift around of, of doing it first instead of later, right? <laughs> I think we're all taught like, oh, and it's a, it's a limited belief and a programming. Oh, well, when I make this money, I'll, I'll go ahead and buy this or when I, I'll, I'll do it when I get there first. And that's a backwards way of thinking it's whatever you could do, even if it's a little thing, mm -hmm. if you do it, then it just builds up the momentum for other things to show up to help you heal, guide. And it's like a transformation in a way. And you, you start thinking totally different. And yeah, energy does affect everything around us. It's part, we are part energy. Mm -hmm. you it's, know? A huge, it's a huge reflection of how we're taught to put ourselves last. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's when you become a mom. Oh my God. <laughs> right. But we're always taught to put ourselves last. So that's a part of it. Because really, your home is an extension of your energetic field. You not taking care of your home is an example of you not taking care of yourself, putting your self-care last, putting your needs last, putting your wants last, putting you behind your children and your job and your boss and your husband and your parents and your all the, you know, your friends. And you're always last on the list. <clears throat> and this is a clear, it's a reflection of that. And I had become that too, right? I was a single mom and always put my kids first. And it was always me last. And I had gotten to the point where it was literally me last. And so I started actually putting me first by cleaning up my home and decluttering out the physical parts and then really digging into the, the mental and the emotional and and pulling it all out and and really getting rid of it like you know doing i developed a, a whole method around doing the decluttering thing it's a whole five step piece of of how i how i do that and it it releases all of the so that you don't end up with the same cycle cuz that's the other thing we do right people say declutter and then they you go in and you throw all the clutter away and within a few months you've just got new clutter. <laughs> right. Because you really didn't deal with the issue. But you didn't deal with the issue. Mm -hmm. Did when you started decorating your space, you men mentioned that you would put your your clutter and hide it mm -hmm. to where no one can see it. When you brought that up, I thought about your relationship with your mother. Like, oh, on the outside everything looks okay, but inside all that did that dawn on you? 
when you started? Did you oh, realize yeah. that? Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a big part of it. That's that's a. I mean, that's it's true for everybody. It's it's part of what I what I teach people and what I talk to people about is 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 finding those connections, starting to connect those dots, so that you can you can read the story that your clutter is telling you because your clutter is telling you everything that you're struggling with. Mm. All the reason, all the reasons that life isn't going the way you want it to go is all in here. And when it's all on the inside, it's just being reflected outside, but we're blind to our own, you know, to it. So it's a, it's just another way of being able to, it's a mirror, right? It's just looking in the mirror and saying, Oh, there's where that is. And what is it? So, yeah. Wow. And going through like, now I, I, I've heard of hoarding. Mm -hmm. What is your thoughts about the hoarding aspect between clutter and hoarding? What, what, give us some feedback and what does that like, is there even more deeper meaning when someone hoards things? Um, yeah, that's, that's real. That's more, much more serious mental health issues, mental health struggles. Um, for sure. It's a, it's an, it's a reflection of more extreme levels of, of mental health, um, struggles, problems. And, uh, would it be safe to say that a lot of people don't even realize that when, you know, there could be a mental issue when, the, the hoarding has gotten to the point where it's consuming their whole house or whole, you know, that's a sign of a, a real deep mental issue. And a lot of people are not aware of that. I think they're aware of it. I just think at, at that point, it's, it's just that you're in it, right? We don't always know. Sometimes we know that we're struggling, but we don't know what the struggle is, right? You, we, you know, when you're, having a rough day, right? When your rough day runs into a week or a month of, you know, I can't, I can't get out of bed or I can't, you know, I can't function. And eventually when you are in that for so long, that becomes normal. And that's just what normal functioning is. And so you become, uh, it's not that you're not aware, but you bury it right? You, you bury it underneath. And there's a lot of things that we do that are, that are reflections. Excess clutter is, is no different than, um, in some ways than excess body weight. Sometimes, um, for a lot of people, we use body weight as a protective measure, just the way we use clutter as a protective measure to keep ourselves safe from other people. It's, wow. there's a lot of things. Each, each individual is, is, it's, I mean, you, it's, some things can be very generalized, but then each individual person will have their own, whatever that is. But yeah, if it's, if there's a clutter thing happening, it's always a reflection of, of what's going on internally. Wow. Mentally, you, emotionally. I, I've heard Dr. Joe Dispenza talk about this a lot because he's one of my mentors. It's like your reality is based on your beliefs and your perception. Mm -hmm. 100%. And dealing with how you have your space and whatnot, it, it's all connected. You live 100% of your life in your own head. That's, you got that point. So if you don't like what's going on in the head, you need to 
do a self-evaluation and reinvent yourself and change things. Right. You know, but the best way to do that is to, to, to work from the outside in, right? It's just like anything else, right? When you're not feeling well, you can get up and shower and put on some clothes and get dressed and you'll feel better physically. But if you feel kind of blah and you just want to wallow in it, you can make yourself feel worse too, right? It's, it's the same as true. You can, we have that power. So when you start from the outside in, it's, it's a way to start showing yourself that love and self-care and in ways that we're not often taught as children. It's easier to care for other people than it is to care for ourselves. So when you start actually caring for your space, almost like it's a separate entity, it's a really good way to start treating yourself with that love and empathy. And eventually it, it, it becomes more natural and easier. So it's like when you're taking care of your house, you're loving your house and in return, it's that law of attraction, loving, giving. So mm -hmm. you'll start feeling more that you're loving yourself as you love your place. Yes. And you'll get the energy into alignment too. Cause a lot of that hoarding clutter stagnates the energy and then we're just at a standstill. Right. So then we just stay stuck in one spot. Right. So once we start doing that, loving up on our space and loving up on ourselves, we, we shift the energy and we start getting the energy moving again. And, and then things start shifting. So that, that reminds me about this, you know, every spring cleaning, you know, everyone Ooh. gets into this, you know, um, what's the best word I could, like they get into this like umption or they have this spark of energy to it's spring cleaning. Let's do this. And, and then you do feel better, but we don't do it on a consistent basis. Not that I'm saying you have to do it every day, but why not, you know, is there a technique like maybe once a month doing a very, like a spring cleaning every month? I like to do it about three times a year. I mean, I do it regularly, but I do, um, I do like three big purges a year, spring cleaning. And then like the fall back to school, throw out everything old and buy all new clothes that fit kind of thing. Right. Going into a new season. And then right around new year's, it, it tends to be a, a, a time where people do the same, but then, you know, you've got the, the, monthly deep cleaning too that you do of your house or you know but each person is different each person is different it's funny that though in may people tend to want to have this urge to clean um at the end of of the for for us in in the northern hemisphere anyway i get a lot of clients from australia so at the end of that winter season going into spring we get this urge to clean like it's cabin fever um it also happens to be mental health awareness month that it happens in May that we tend to feel this decluttering urge. It's yeah, there it's, it's a, it's a thing. They're they're They are in alignment with each other. They are connected. So it's not a big surprise that we feel the urge to clean and it just happens to be at that same time. That's, oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, what can can you briefly give some like little tidbits to to help someone just begin you know what to what to do what to look for in helping clean up the little things 
you know, to recognize that, hey, you got clutter, you know, what, what can they recognize if they're not even aware that they're doing it? What can you share? Um, if they're, if they're not aware that they have clutter, mm -hmm. um, we all have clutter. <laughs> we all have clutter. So if, if I, I have had clients that have come to me and said, I'm, I'm a minimalist. I don't have clutter. And yet she had clutter too. <laughs> we all have clutter. So if you're trying to deny that you have clutter, I would really look at where else are you denying, you know, reality? <laughs> like, you know, if, yeah, there's clutter is anything that you do not need, use, or love. Anything beyond that is clutter. Well, with the clothes aspect, if I didn't wear something for six months or a year, that I, most likely I'm not going to wear again. So why have it sitting in my closet, taking up space? Um, usually it has to do with scarcity, sometimes worthiness. It depends. Maybe it's obligation. It depends on the thing, but it, 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 those are typically the, the ones. Um, it depends on the reasoning for, for clothes. Clothes are an interesting animal when it comes to clutter. <laughs> we get these weird attachments to clothes as a reflection of who we are and part of our identity. And, um, and so a lot of times there's, there's a lot of stuff in there to dig into with clothes. But, you know, if you're really going to start with decluttering, I, I wouldn't start with clothes. It's probably okay. the hardest, it's probably the hardest thing in the world to start with, to be quite honest. <laughs> paper is easy. Start with paper. Paper? Okay. <laughs> paper is what easy. about Tupperware? Yeah. Start wherever you feel called to start. Just start in one section at a time. Like yeah. start the living room. I think that would be probably the easiest one, you know, whatever clutter that you have in the living room. It depends on the person. It depends on the person and it depends on how, you know, kind of stuck they are. For a lot of people, the easiest place to start is a junk drawer. Ooh, one junk drawer. When you start small, you'll shift little bits of energy and then you'll sort of feel like I have the ability to do more, right? Sometimes the hardest part is just getting started because you're so stuck, right? So even just a like a 15 minute timer that says, I'm just going to clean for 15 minutes and do this one thing. I'm going to declutter this one drawer and eventually you get bigger and bigger. It's, it's all just about getting, getting started and getting unstuck and really facing what's going on in there. Not <clears throat> otherwise. Yeah. You're just gonna, cause some people go crazy with, ah, I'm just gonna, do it. And then, like you say, a few months later, they're right back to all new clutter. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of got to go through the process. Right. And uh, I know I put a um, brief dis brief description on how someone can get a hold of you. But you shared with me earlier that you have something to offer the audience. Oh, sure. I have a free gift that I love to give to listeners um, when I come on and, and do a podcast uh, interview. And it's it's the declutter your mindset method. It's actually what we've been talking about this whole time. Um, it's my proprietary method of decluttering. And you can pick that up at declutteryourmindset.com. 
I'm definitely having it on the description. Mm -hmm. And for those of us that, you know, I like to read when it's interesting, you know, topics, but I'm more like video or visual hands-on and audio. I grasp things better. Like, show me how to do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I am just so, you know, I'm proud of you. You've come a long way. And I wish you the best of success in, in doing this. And I know when I get my own place, I'll be calling you up and say, can you come to Florida? I need your help. Well, I do this all virtually. Really? Yeah. You got very creative during this pandemic. Um, I've been doing it virtually since 2016. Actually, since 2014, when I started my first company. Um, and I was going a different direction. So, yeah, I've been doing this virtually for a long time already, long before the pandemic. So when I was living in Hawaii, that was part of my struggle was all my clients were on the East Coast. <laughs> so with the time difference, it was really kind of difficult. Yeah, I do everything virtually. Okay, so uh, hold up. I have to get this visually in my head, how you do it virtually. Does mm -hmm. somebody carry like one of those you know, cameras with the stick on it and going around their house showing you everything. And then you're just taking notes like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, there's a lot involved, but yes, yes. I mean, it's an, it's an interior design firm. So I, that's what we do. We do the whole, the space. So, but that's part of it. Yes. There, I definitely, we do a lot of video um, chatting like you and I are doing right now. And so like, I can see your space. I can see sort of what you got going on there. So no judgment. I'm just, I can see what's happening. <laughs> you know, well, I, I have my little positive notes, like affirmations. Yep. <laughs> and then this is what my daughter created for me for Mother's Day. I think so that's, that's there. I got mm -hmm. my Malayne's, uh salt lamp, which is lit a little. I got my tarot cards here. Mm -hmm. yep. When I get inspired to... I'll get a little message and totally get this deck and I have to have it available when, you know, my little kiss by the sun, my little fancy water and my little laptop here. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. I do. It's called a peace and prosperity alignment. Um, and we do it. It's all virtual. It's all online. Cause I can, I can do that. Work for so, me okay. Be honest. What do you think about this little space I created? Um, I think it's great. Actually, um, I would maybe, I don't know. It depends on, on what's happening in the rest of your space. But um, do, you one bedroom. do you feel safe? It's actually a it? master bedroom that I'm living in. So I had to create a desk, desk space to have my little studio. Because mm -hmm. I started my podcast last October during the pandemic. As I was going back to school. So everything went online. So I had to create a little space so I could yeah. continue. Does it work well for you? By so far, yes. I mean, it it's a little cramped, but I just go with the flow and just make the best of it for right now. I wonder, uh, you might like it more if you can put your desk on the other side and put your back up against the wall right there where that door is. Try so, that. meaning do, uh-oh, uh-oh, like this, but then you see my little closet space, that's all. So, I have to do it, like, at an angle like this. 
Yeah, I meant turning. Yeah, I meant turning you around where you sit, but it depends on how you how you feel. Oh, because then they'll see the refrigerator, the toaster, <laughs> the microwave, and then the window. So the window gives me natural light. Mm -hmm. Like like it. Nice. So I just I like the space. So we always make do. We it's it's. I mean, when we first get started with where we are, we make do with what we have, and mm -hmm. that it's a thing, and it's and it's perfectly okay to start where you have to start, and then you know, eventually you. Ideally, you definitely want your workspace to not be in your bedroom. Yeah, it's, that would be nice. Yeah, having your bedroom and your workspace be the same is is a really hard place to start, but. Um, I do it too, right? Every time we move to a new city, we're, you know, we're in that space. So I've had to have my workspace in my bedroom as well. I think a lot of us have. So, I mean, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's just, a the, I wouldn't, I normally will look at the floor plans and, and look at more of a energetically, where would you be in better alignment? Um, visually is, 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 is doing it by instinct. Right, as opposed to doing it technically, where I'm looking at the floor plans and and diving into what energetically shifts you into alignment. So I just know this is temporary. Mm -hmm. Just be grateful that I'm able to do what I do, and just keep that. You know, I have my positive, you know, my crystal, my little magic wand here too. Nice. That's how I'm made for me. So I just keep the pot, and then the amethyst in my little. Bonte, Bonte, water. So I just get the positive vibes going through here. <laughs> yep. 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 And then I, I got just... my spirit, my horse. Yeah, I like that. That's interesting. That, I Let's like that. I can... There you go. See, I like that piece. Mm -hmm. I got Pretty it for a dollar. Nice. At um, Bell's. Nice. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I went to the front and asked the clerk, I'm like, is this actually for a dollar? It says it on the price tag, a dollar. Right. And he goes, <laughs> brings it up. Yep, it's for a dollar. I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> when I first started really actively applying my own framework to myself, to my own space, my own life, my own everything, I started with um, doing work around scarcity, right? And um, I, I went intentionally to go buy this thing that was an abundance trigger item sort of thing, right? <laughs> and um, I didn't know what it was going to be. Um, I, was, I, was, I wanted to use it to be able to teach a class and I wanted something and I was like, it needs to be like on brand. It needs to be this whole thing. And I went out looking and it took a few weeks of just randomly like, oh, here's a store. Let's go in and see if they have anything. And uh, <laughs> I found this brass figurine. It's beautiful. I fell in love with it. Um, and it was numbered. And I took it up to the counter. And the, the lady that waited on me there, she was like, for, she told me, yeah, it's a local artist who lives here. We were living in Washington at the time. And she was like, it's a local artist who lives here. Then um, he did it and blah, blah, blah. It was $45. And I took it home and I started really looking at it. And, you know, the, the name is on it, right? As is all art pieces. The, the artist's name was on it. And so I looked him up and um, <laughs> it was worth $4,500. It was worth a hundred times what I paid for it 
an hour after I paid for it and I looked it up online. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. So there, wow, that, that's like abundance working really abundance, good. Abundance <laughs> working. Yeah. It was $100 and I got it for a dollar. See, there you go. It works. Yeah. And I love of, horses. So I love horses and dolphins. Those are my two go-to animals. Nice. So hippocampi is like your favorite. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. It's a pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Well, we'll we'll definitely have to have a you know have you back on the show later on to do a recheck on <laughs> clutter. I would love to. I would love to. Yeah. Okay. Great. Good. Thank you for joining us again, Crystal. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. There you go. Clutter, energy, your house. How is it working for you? How is your space? Well, you can get more information and go check out Crystal's website. It's down below in the description. Get started because when you start cleaning up, what the outside you're cleaning the inside too and you're healing and working within it's just the little things that you could do to help transform your life so look forward to more great guests great interviews right here on wake up with casey Do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? I've been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. <laughs>